Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hey, good afternoon and welcome. Happy Thursday, March the 9th, the year 2023. LSU basketball staying alive. C.J. McCollum goes off in the fourth for the Pels. The Cajuns avenge a loss to the Cowboys. LSU baseball keeps on keeping on. And much, much more all coming your way. My main man, James Mesh, in that highly coveted, highly sought-after producer's chair. He's spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons inside the game studio, which is on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. Move a little bit to the west. We're also on KLCJ 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Staying alive, LSU's men's basketball team season isn't over yet. The 14th seeded Matt McMahon Tigers defeated 11 seeded Georgia 72 67 last night uh, to survive and advance in the SEC men's basketball tournament. They will play tonight, latest game of the evening, taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, Things started off kind of slowly. LSU's offense a little bit stagnant. Adam Miller picked up two fouls, came out. They put him back in. He picked up his third right away, had to go to the bench. And then all of a sudden, LSU's offense came to life. They built up a double-digit lead with nine points off of Georgia's eight turnovers in the first half. Tigers only had one turnover in the first 20 minutes. They had 10 assists in the first 20 minutes, and they led by 12, 42 to 30. Second half, well, a four for 16 start. Georgia doing a much better job uh, defensively. LSU's lead went from 12 to 3 in a hurry, but Trey Hannibal, KJ Williams kind of kept things going. Um, the Tigers ended up with four in double figures. KJ Williams had 18, Trey Hannibal, a double double, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and lo and behold, the seven footer, Sean Phillips, had the game of his life. Most career uh, career high in points, 13. Career high in rebounds, 10. Sheesh. He was uh, sensational. With the game tied in the final minute and a half, LSU got a putback from Phillips, a nice post bucket from Williams, and held on to survive and advance. Yes, indeed. Um, whew, good one. Very good one. So... Four games today. Currently, Mississippi State and Florida are playing. 
in one of the brackets of the game uh, today. And I'm trying to see. Uh, state led at the half, but Florida has come back a little bit, and I'm trying to find it. I'll get your score in just a minute. Um, so that's game one today, followed by 13-seeded Ole Miss versus number five, Tennessee. The night evening session, number 10, Arkansas versus number seven, Auburn. And then 14-seeded LSU taking on sixth-seeded Vanderbilt. Um. Vandy comes in with significant momentum. They've gone eight and one since January, but they also really need to have this game. They don't have their shot blocker and their big man, Liam Roberts, Robbins, who is hurt. Uh, LSU beat Vandy um, in their lone loss since January. Uh, but only once before has an 11 through a 14 seed made a deep SEC tournament run. Auburn did it back in 2015. We'll see if the Tigers can sustain, survive, and advance yet again. Um, Tigers only shot 36% from the floor, 20% from the land to three, but they had a 25 to four advantage in offensive rebounds. Second chance points were huge. And um, 10 assists, one turnover in the first half, finished with 13 assists and only five turnovers. So that that is promising. It was a good night for LSU baseball. The Tigers improved to 12 and one with a 9-2 win over Lamar. Christian Little had a solid start on the mound. LSU had double digit hits, including home runs by Tommy White and Paxton Kling. The Cardinals only runs came on a solo home run off Little in the fourth and a rare LSU error on a hard hit grounder to third baseman Ben Nippolt. Otherwise Solid defensive night from a team that entered the game with the nation's best fielding percentage. Uh, LSU now will open up a three-game series against Sanford this weekend. Um, and then UNO comes to the box Tuesday, and then LSU will begin the 30-game grind of the SEC schedule. Um, the Raging Cajuns bounce back from a loss earlier. Uh, to McNeese, and it started out kind of the same way it did in the rematch uh, earlier with uh, McNeese taking a quick two-run lead, but UL took control of the next two innings, and then they controlled the game over the final six innings to claim a 5-3 to three revenge win over the Cowboys at Russo Park, improving to 8-4 and four on the season. Ended McNeese's five-game winning streak. The Cowboys are now 8-5. and five. UL will next open up a three-game home series against High Point, 6 p.m. on Friday. C.J. McCullum went off for the New Orleans Pelicans in a win last night over the Dallas Mavericks. Um, ended up with 32 points on 12 of 22 shooting, 6 of 8 from downtown. He had 14 consecutive points for the Pels in the fourth quarter as a big early lead by the Pelicans was diminished despite the fact that Luka Doncic uh, left with a thigh injury. Brandon Ingram left with an ankle injury, uh, but the Pels figured out a way uh, to get the win. And with the win now, again, 
eight certainly winnable games in a row. The Pels are now 32 and 34 tied with the L.A. Lakers. The Lakers hold down the ninth seed. The Pelicans hold up the 10th seed. The Pels have a one-game lead over Oklahoma City, Portland, and Utah. They are a game and a half behind the Dallas Mavericks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Two games out of the sixth seed trailing the L.A. Clippers and the Golden State Warriors. So, Time to make hay while the sun is shining. But it was nice to see McCullum um, kind of get things going finally uh, as the ball started to go through the net. Other news, Kevin Durant injured an ankle in a pregame slip. Uh, he may not play again the rest of this regular season. So we will see what happens there. Um, wow. Wow. And former Pelican, uh, now Bull, Alonzo, I mean, Lonzo Ball faces a third knee surgery. So feel for him. He's a really dynamic player, but he can't, cannot stay healthy. Our guest list today, it was the first day of spring practice for LSU football. They're practicing in the mornings this year. Matthew Bruni was there. He met with... Um, Head coach Brian Kelly afterwards will get the lowdown over what happened in day one. Christian Clark will join us talking about that Pell's uh, fourth quarter and the, the fourth quarter from CJ McCullum. He was just, he was a maestro on the court. Our number two, Frank Schwab will join us more impact in the NFL and Ross Jackson from the combine. Who do the saints need to draft now that they've got their quarterback? It's all coming your way today, Thursday, March the 9th. So we'll take our first time out. LSU Spring Football Practice Report next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has given you a chance to win everything you need to the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card. A boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. So enter now. It's the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're broadcasting from the EPCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EPCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction from the SEC basketball tournament in overtime. Mississippi State, with about 50 seconds left, leads Florida 67-61. LSU men's basketball staying alive. They'll take on Vanderbilt in the late game this evening. Uh, so probably around, I don't know, 830, something like that. 
While the men are trying to keep their season alive, LSU football started the journey for the 2023 season with their first spring football practice of the day. Matthew Bruni joins us from BengalTigerOn3.com for his assessment. Um, Matthew, good afternoon, sir. How are you feeling? Good afternoon. I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, nice weather and uh yeah, like you said, the LSU basketball got a win last night, so happy, happy time. Happy for them, and I, I'm telling you, they uh, shoot the ball pretty good. You got a chance to beat Vandy. There's always a chance. Um, LSU football practicing in the mornings in springtime. Any reason given for that? Um, no, I, I we didn't hear anything uh, special uh, about that, I think. Um, I mean, this has obviously been in the works when you think about it because Obviously, students, I mean, the athletes have to have their classes, you know, built around the schedule and all this stuff. So um, I don't don't think it caught coaches or players off guards or anything, but maybe some people theorize he was trying to avoid the uh, afternoon rain. Um, yeah. You know, everyone has their theories, but, okay. you know, maybe he just likes getting it done. I, I, I kind of like it getting done. I'm an early morning person anyway. But anyway, okay, so you got about 20 minutes um, there. The floor is yours, sir. What did you see? What did you not see? I heard um, there's a running back that needs some more academic work again. So the floor yeah. is yours. Guide us. Uh, yeah, we can start with running back. That's probably the most interesting uh, aspect of this is the fact they only had two running backs out there. And Noah Kane and Trey Holly. Trey Holly, true freshman out of um, Louisiana, who was you know broke the state rushing record right. this past year. Um, Armani Goodwin will miss spring. Uh, you mentioned John Emery, who is who he. I mean, Brian Kelly was asked about John Emery after afterwards, and he said, you know, he's only focused on academics right now. He's focused on getting that straightened out, and that was the agreement they had. Um, you know, he has to get that in order in the spring, obviously, because you don't want that to linger. Uh, moving to the right. fall, um, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, only two running backs. Obviously, uh, freshman Caleb Jackson will, uh, is not here for the spring as well. He'll be enrolled um, over the offseason. And Josh Williams is, uh, is the, he said, the closest to being back is Josh Williams. So hopefully they get him back sometime soon. So you have, you're not, you don't have many bodies at running back. Uh, we obviously know about the three quarterbacks. Nothing crazy to report there. It's good to see Ricky Collins get out there from Woodlawn. Uh, offensive line is also very shallow. Um, you, Charles Turner not uh, participating in spring has them down to seven scholarship players uh, for spring ball on the, on the offensive line, and so that's a uh, none of the freshman offensive line commits early enrolled, and so that puts them in a tough spot. All the receivers were there except Aaron Anderson, who we knew was going to be out the transfer from Alabama, um, and then defensively, it's kind of what we expected. I mean, a lot of transfers, a lot of new faces, new numbers, new new names to uh, account for. Uh, Harold Perkins changed his num- number to number four, so, you know, no more HP40. I guess it's HP4 <laughs> now, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the rundown. I mean, defensively, I guess it's going to take a little bit more time to figure out, you know, what's new and what's not new, because it's a lot of transfers, and so figuring out that whole... What kind of, you know, what were they doing offer, during so. the and what were they doing during the 20, 25 minutes that you got to uh, visualize? Were they doing individual group work? Were they doing uh, – what were they doing? Yeah, it's it's pretty much similar to what we watched last spring in the fall. Well, I shouldn't say last spring because last spring was a whole different animal. But in the fall, right. to a degree, to where 
it was um, a lot of individual work. You watch them go through warm up drills. You watch them go through one on one, you know, light, you know, technique stuff. That was what Brian Kelly said after um, after practice. It's just a completely different phase that they're in right now than when they were uh, where they were last spring. Obviously, I mean, you have all the coaches returning pretty much. You have several returners, and even though they're shallow. I think that it's you you're they're going to be able to get a lot more done this year and that's that's exciting. That is exciting. Um can you notice um uh, Jaden Daniels apparently grew an inch and gained 5 pounds. Does he does can you notice a 5 pound difference in somebody? I I I wasn't standing close enough to him to to really evaluate his his weight and his 1 inch uh, height <laughs> addition. I mean I, I don't know if he let his hair grow out a little bit more or what, but yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to, to watch. Um, Brian Kelly's been doing this a long time. Uh, apparently, he likes what he sees. He likes the the mentality of this of this group. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Uh, a lot of it will hinge on the transfers, I think, and he's maintained that he's brought in transfer players that are bought in that know what they're getting into that know they're gonna have to compete that know they're gonna have to be leaders because you have positions like in the secondary where you don't have any returners and those guys obviously have to be communicators have to be leaders and um that's going to determine a lot but i mean if there's one thing i think we learned from the first year it's brian kelly has is able to establish the culture and is able to you know build up certain players to be leaders throughout the season. So I'm looking at new players stepping up like a Mason Smith. Um, Mason Taylor isn't practicing at uh, at this moment uh, in spring, but I think, you know, some of the young players that had some playing time last year can also step into those roles. And then you add a guy like Omar Spates, who's an all pack 12 linebacker stepping in here for his last year. So I think the leadership's in a good spot. I think the continuity is going to be something that they're going to work through, but you know, that's what spring ball's for. Matthew Bruni with us. What does Brian Kelly expect to be the biggest difference in his team uh, moving from year one to year two as under his guidance? What do you think that is? Yeah, I I think if we, we start um, from a practice and preparation standpoint, I think that's what he would answer if you asked him that question. I think he would say just they're going to be so much more prepared um, for what coming and for what they need to do as as a team on a day-to-day basis um because so much of last year was learning how to practice learning how to compete learning how to take care of their bodies learning how to fill out those daily wellness sheets that they had every day i mean it's it was so much learning last year that you you have to you know wonder how much better this program and this team can be once they're all on the same page from day one i mean it's you're allowed to teach a lot more. You can get a lot more ground covered uh, in these spring practices and in the summer and in the fall once everybody is on the same page. So I think that's what he would answer um, as far mm-hmm. as because he always loves turning things into a mental, you know, where, where they're at mentally. So I think that's what he'd answer. Uh, you know, on the field, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, you have the young guys, like I mentioned, that are going to be more experienced, like the, line, the offensive lineman, Will Campbell, and Emory Jones, the linebacker, Harold Perkins, tight end, Mason Taylor, and then not to mention at the quarterback position, Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer coming back. So, I mean, a lot of quality returners there and a lot of, uh, a lot of, content, a lot of uh, built-up trust, I think, in the program now. 
Gotcha. Um, all right. So it's very early and they'll go again in a, in a day or two um, with that. Uh, what did you think of LSU basketball last night? I went into the game pretty confident they were going to win somehow. I don't, I don't know why, but Me too. the last time they played Georgia, last time they played Georgia, they had 19 turnovers and still almost won the game. And this yeah. uh, last night they had five and that makes a huge difference when you can get up 16 more shots, even though you shoot 38% from the field. Um, I mean, that's, it's, this team kind of is what they are at this point, And I'm excited about the three freshmen. I mean, Sean Phillips was awesome. 13 and 10. Tyrell wow. Ward played his role. Jalen Reed did played his role in place of Derek Fountain. I mean, you start with those three and then all the rest kind of fill in around them a bit. I, I was really pleased with their resilience late in the game when Georgia came back and ultimately getting the win. So I'm, I'm excited tonight. Like you said, I mean, Vanderbilt is a, is a, they've already beaten them once, obviously. And then, uh, Liam Robbins, their all SEC first team center is out for the year. So we'll see how that changes the dynamic as well. All right. You, you never know. Boy, in overtime, Mississippi State, a much-needed win, beats Florida yeah. 69-68. I thought State had the game well in hand, but you got to give credit to Florida some credit. Uh, they, they bounced back, and they, they, they made a game of it and uh, almost pulled it out. Now it's Ole Miss versus Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's going to win that one. Um, Arkansas-Auburn, yeah. the first game of the night session. That's that's an interesting matchup. You never know what you're going to get from either one of those two teams. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be a great game. That is, uh, I'm really interested. I think the winner of that game honestly has a really interesting pass. I think the winner is Texas A&M in the second round. Uh, you know, Arkansas is a 10 seed in the SEC somehow, and uh, somehow. I think they have a shot at winning it if they get going. I mean, with they got Nick Smith back, who's going to be a lottery pick, and they already yeah. have you know plenty of talent on that team. Lots of talent. Um, I give LSU a puncher's chance in this thing. I really, really do. Uh, but they got to shoot better than what they did. And and that's why I think uh, that first game under their belt, getting used to the arena and the environment, um, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And I was shocked at the crowd. They had like 14,000 yeah. people for those dog games. Yeah. That's what McMahon said after the game. He said he was shocked. He wasn't expecting anyone to be there. And then they yeah. showed up and it set a record for most <laughs> – most uh, fans on a Wednesday in the SEC tournament. It's like, oh, okay, the SEC. I mean, you know, SEC fans are. They'll show up for anything. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, like you said, I, I think LSU has a shot. And if you know Vanderbilt changes up their defense without Robbins, then maybe we just see Sean Phillips and KJ Williams hammer him on the inside. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what McMahon went to. Trey Hannibal. Trey Hannah, oh, you yeah. got to love him or, you, or you're not. But when, when he's rolling and taking the ball to the basket with that bowling ball mentality, he's pretty good. Don't don't let him shoot from outside, but take the <laughs> ball to the basket, create, make something happen. That's pretty good. All right. Um, so from football to basketball, baseball keeps winning. My goodness gracious. It's, it's quite a busy time, and we're waiting to see. Well, LSU women's basketball, two seed, three seed. What do you think they're going to be when the, the bracket gets announced Sunday? The, the ESPN and a lot of places are starting to put them as a three seed, which is probably, I assume, what they're going to end up being. I mean, you yeah. look at teams like a, a UConn who have worse losses than LSU but have better wins. I mean, that's basically what LSU is up against right now is teams that have worse losses but better wins. 
And so that's what the committee's trying to weigh. I mean, the, the committee seems like it's been down on LSU all year. I don't think that's going to really change. That's not, but yeah. being the number I'm, one three seed, being the number one three seed is not not the end of the world. You get the worst, you get the lowest ranked two seed, and you kind of play from there. I mean, so to me, it's about winning the first two games for this team, that's and right. then from there, you know, you take your chances, you roll with it, and see what happens. I am with you 100%. Matthew Bruni, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Thank you so much. I appreciate it greatly. You uh, you enjoy the SEC tournament and uh, another spring football practice down the road. Thank you, my friend. Yep, thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, Matthew Bruni with Bengal Tiger on three. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, the Pels get a big-time 113-106 win despite the Mavericks scoring 41 in the fourth. C.J. McCollum was unbelievable. Christian Clark joins us next. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. The New Orleans Pelicans took center stage, a very critical stretch run to the, hopefully, the postseason. Um, And they took on the Dallas Mavericks last night in the Smoothie King Center. They built a 16-point lead at the half thanks to a 35-19 second quarter. Then Brandon Ingram left late in the quarter with a sprained right ankle after scoring 12 points. Dallas's star, Luka Doncic, left in the third with a strained left thigh. And then Kyrie Irving took over in the fourth. Dallas outscored New Orleans 41 to 30, but the Pels hold on thanks to one unbelievable stretch run by CJ McCullum. Christian Clark, NOLA.com, who covers the Pels day in and day out, was there, and he's kind enough to join us now. Um, Christian, thanks for the time. Wow. <laughs> Thank gosh for CJ McCullum. Uh, he couldn't miss in that fourth quarter, and about a four-minute mark, he couldn't miss. I mean, they they needed that win so badly Man. too. I mean, they had one win post All Star break, you know, before last night, and yeah. and CJ really did, you know, bail them out. I mean, that's that's kind of what he gets paid to do, you know, especially with with no Zion in there, no Brandon Ingram. I mean, he's he's really the the clear cut guy. Everyone's going to look to to provide clutch shot making for them and. I mean, that would have been a, a gut punch if they oh. had blown that lead. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, the Mavericks still had Kyrie, but that would have, I mean, that would have felt awful if you'd blown that one. You're right. The uh, Pels led by as many as 19 in the third, double digits in the fourth, and the Mavs went on a 12-zip run. It was Bertans for three, Kyrie's four-point play, uh, Christian Woods three um, uh, on a layup, and he was fouled. And all of a sudden, it's a three-point game with 4-12 to go. And then, how do you describe McCullum? And and kudos to his teammates for realizing th- the dude's on a roll find him and give him the ball. Yeah, the uh, the move where he shook where he shook Davis Bertans too was uh, especially filthy. I mean Davis Bertans is uh he's not known for his uh perimeter defense. I mean really the only thing he's known for is shooting and uh <laughs> struggling to get off that Dallas Mavericks bench lately, but it was it was nonetheless, you know, a really nice move from CJ. Um and you know, I mean look I I, I don't think the Mavs played particularly well. Um, but it's kind of at the point for the Pelicans, like any, by any means necessary. 
right now. You know, it's just like, well, they'll take them however they can get them. That's kind of at the point they're at now. Yeah, you got to take teams on the back end of a back-to-back, particularly when they travel to the to the second game of a back-to-back. Uh, you got to you got to take advantage and run, 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 and get it done. And and the fact that McCullum did what he did, uh, what was it, thirteen straight points that he put up for the Pels, despite having that uh, that thumb injury. I mean, you know, you shoot the basketball, the thumb's pretty important uh, part of the release. Uh, but he figured out what, and he was so relieved. He said, man, I hadn't seen the ball go through the net like that in a long time. Yeah, it's it's been kind of a, a tough season for CJ, really. And, you know, he dealt with COVID, uh, you know, an illness earlier in the season. And then lately, it's been the right thumb. You know, he's got uh, a ligament issue with his right thumb. He's wearing, you know, a wrap on it. He, you know, he said it's something he's going to continue to get uh, medically imaged throughout the rest of the season, but he's been kind of adamant, I'm going to play. You know, he's made a point of everyone, you know, a lot of players are dealing with minor stuff um, at this point in the season, but he has decided to play. And, uh, you know, like the efficiency numbers are definitely down from, from this time last year, but uh, I do give him credit for just being out there every night. I mean, a lot of, NBA players aren't, uh, especially on the Pelicans. You're right. Christian Clark with us. Now we look at the schedule. They've got, uh, uh, you know, they can take a day off. They don't play again until Saturday. They host the Thunder. Sunday, they host the Trail Blazers. Tuesday, the Lakers. Uh, next Friday, they are in Houston to take on the Rockets, the return it. Uh, well, they stay in, in Houston to play the Rockets on Sunday. Then they have the Spurs. Then they have the Hornets. I mean, now's the time. If not now, it's not going to happen. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I'm feeling like they they kind of got to win two out of these next three, right? You know, you got yeah. Oklahoma City, Portland, and then the Lakers, three games in a four-day span at Smoothie King Center. I, I feel like you have to win two of these games, and, and you, you'd really like to get that Lakers game, um, you yes. know, not only because you you have the option of swapping first-round picks with them if the Lakers pick is, is better, but also because the Lakers have – the a two to one lead in the head to head regular season series. So if the Lakers win it, you know, they'll have that tiebreaker. But if the Pelicans win it, there's a pretty ch- good chance they would hold the tiebreaker because it would then become about conference record and New Orleans has a better conference record. So you need I think you need two of these three and uh you know I think one of them probably has to be that Lakers game. Yeah. I went and said before the Mavericks game last night of the next eight games, I think the Pels need to win a minimum of six of the eight to have a chance because um, after after that you got the Clippers, the Blazers on the road, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the so th- this is the easiest part of the schedule all year from a record standpoint, which really doesn't mean much in this league because you see teams beating teams that you would never expect, but it it's now or never um, and. Zion, there's an update on him. What did the what did the club say is the latest on him? You're not going to believe this, but not that encouraging of an update. Uh, <laughs> basically, they said that uh, it'll be two more weeks and he'll be reevaluated again. Um, you know, it's just it's taken him a, a really long time to to get back after he reaggravated that injury, um, and I think. You know, they're, they're maybe being more cautious about it this time. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think it's kind of defensible in some ways, too, because this is a really explosive athlete and, and hamstring injuries are notoriously difficult. Um, but 
you know, look, I mean, if you if you jump two weeks from today, the Pelicans are going to have ten regular season games left. Um, that's that's a best case scenario that you get Zion right. for ten regular season games left. I mean, I think you're you're looking at if you get him back at all, you know, it's uh, single digit number of games. Maybe you can count them on one hand. And right. I mean, shoot, at this point, I'd feel kind of fortunate if he returns at the regular season at all. I mean. You know, the, the two-week date is just a re-evaluation. It's not a, oh, he'll be 100%, yeah. you can just throw him out there kind of thing. And and so much will depend upon where the Pelicans are in the in the hierarchy of the West. If they're out of the playoff situation, they won't bring him back. Um, that's, what, that's what LeBron's looking at is he's got some time to mend. Uh, but injuries are a part of it. We saw it with Luka. Uh, we saw it with Kevin Durant. Uh, these kind of things happen. It's just the team that uh, can avoid it the most is the team that uh, has the best the best chance there. What, what do you think of Brandon Ingram's situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, like in the past, obviously, it's taken him a long time to return from, um, you know, fairly minor injuries. I think you've just got to hope that that is not the case this time. Um, you know, I, I went back and watched the game this morning. I didn't really get a good look at it last night, but, you know, it was a, it was a pretty bad roll of the right ankle. Um, he was back out on the court you know, in a street clothes, yucking it up with teammates. He seemed to be in good spirits. He didn't leave the arena with a boot or anything. So I think all of that was encouraging that this will be a fairly small thing. But you know, I, I, I guess I got to just wait for Willie Green to talk. And I got to see with my own eyes, too, because <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. I mean, you know, when Ingram dealt with that toe contusion earlier this year, he was day-to-day, but he was day-to-day for two whole months. So I, I kind of just got to see it. I mean, I, I think – what people say at this point doesn't really matter that much to me. I mean, there's just you know, <laughs> a bunch of a, a bad track record with that. Isn't that the truth? Um, Christian Clark with us. The Pels uh, right now, 32 and 34. You mentioned it would be great if they could beat the Lakers, who have the identical record but are ahead of the Pels because of the, as you mentioned, the tiebreaker situation. Um who do you do you see anybody falling or faltering? I mean, Denver's going to be there. They got a seven game lead over Sacramento in Memphis. Uh, Phoenix is two games behind Memphis. Uh, Golden State is twelve back. The Clippers are twelve. I mean, who? How much jockeying is there in this thing? Do you anticipate? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty insane. I mean, three games are separating fifth place from you know. 13th place in the in the Western Conference yeah. right now. I've never I've never seen it that jumbled in my time covering the NBA. I mean, I think for the Pelicans, their goal has to be get up to seven or eight because if you do that and you're able to win that first play-in tournament game, you can then face the number two seed, right? And right. Sacramento is in the number two spot right now. Um, you know, them and Memphis have identical records. I mean. If you're able to get Zion back, I mean, you you could maybe potentially make it an interesting series against the Sacramento Kings in the first round. Um, mm-hmm. So their their goal has to be to get up to to seven or eight. I think. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Memphis too. I mean, Stephen Adams not going to play again this regular season. Right. Brandon Clark, that Achilles is is just devastating. And then who knows when John Moran will be back? Yeah, I mean, those that's right. Three, their best eight players right there. 
Don't be don't be surprised if those Golden State Warriors have a lot to say in who wins the West. I'm just telling you something about that crew. And without Steph Curry, they're still they're still playing good. Klay Thompson's got his confidence back, so they're, they're kind of uh, interesting. Um, who who scares you the most right now? The Pels are at number ten. They lead Oklahoma City, Portland, and Utah by one game. Those are the only three uh, three other teams that have a shot to get in it. Of those three, who's the one that worries you the most that could maybe knock the Pels out of this thing? I think it's got to be Oklahoma City. I mean, if, if you've watched them, you know, in, in the past two months, when they have, you know, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Jalen Williams, and, and Josh Giddy in the lineup, like, they're they're a pretty good team. I mean, they score the ball really well. Shea Gildas, Alexander, I think, has been one of the five or ten best players in the entire NBA this year. I mean, there's like a strong first-team All-NBA argument for him. Um, so I think Oklahoma City does. I mean, they, they've been you know, pretty solid since the start of the new year as long as Shea has been in the lineup for them. All right. It's uh, an interesting run. we got to wait at least two more weeks just to see Zion get uh, evaluated yet again. Um, is is he able to do anything? I mean, is he just in the in the cold tub, hot tub, getting massages? I mean, what do you what are they what do you think they're doing with him? Not much. It doesn't sound like. I mean, you know, Willie Green said he's doing some workouts in the pool. He's able to shoot on the court, but you know, as far as I can tell, no explosive movement. You know, he's not jogging. He's not spraying on the court or anything like that. Um, he's still, unfortunately pretty limited all right we shall see um enjoy a day off maybe and um we'll tee it back up on saturday in another must win scenario for the pels in my opinion um i think they got to win six uh they won one last night so i think they need to win um at least five of the next seven to have a remote shot at this thing because the stretch run is going to be very very difficult so we shall see christian thanks so much man i know it was a late night but i appreciate it and uh continued success to you my friend i appreciate you jordy all right, buddy, you take care. Christian Clark joining us. The Pels, thanks to C.J. McCullum, a four-minute stretch of 13 consecutive points that got the Pels a win. We'll come back. We'll wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome. The toughest monster truck tour returns March 17th and 18th in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour. Enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com. A VIP package includes four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers on that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is coming back, and you could win a VIP package courtesy of the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 
We're broadcasting from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Uh, the PGA Tour hosts its biggest event of the season. It got underway today, the 2023 Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass. The top three players in the world, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, and also perhaps the three hottest players in the game right now, with five combined wins uh, between them since the start of the year. They're all playing in one group together. And uh, the leaderboard is uh, Chad Ramey is at eight under par, followed by Colin uh, Morikawa, uh, who is at seven under par. And then a couple of guys I've never heard of. Scheffler's at four under. Uh, Justin Rose is at three under. Um, and that's uh, about the gist of it. Um, Jason Day is at one under par. Um, Sam Burns, the former LSU Tiger, is at one under par. Of course, everybody wants to see the signature 17th hole with the island green. Uh, that always makes for some interesting stuff. So very early on, uh, a lot of players still out on the course. Uh, Jordan Spieth is even after nine. Max Homa's even after nine. So uh, we shall see how this all unfolds. But uh, John Rahm is at one under. And there we are. So Chad Ramey the, from the United States is eight under par. Colin Marikawa is at seven under par. Um, the Players' Championship, Ponte Verdra Beach, Florida, a $25 million uh, purse up for grabs in that one. Coming up, our number two of the program, Frank Schwab will join us. Um, one former teammate of an NFL quarterback says he's got to grow up a little bit. And he has the ability to lead this team to a Super Bowl, but because he didn't play well, they cleaned house. So we'll talk to Frank Schwab about Kyler Murray. We'll talk about his thoughts of the Saints and uh, with getting Derek Carr and what, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do. It certainly appears that all sights and sounds point toward the New York Jets. Uh, the second game in the SEC tournament today after Mississippi State beat Florida by one in overtime. Tennessee leads Ole Miss 11 to 10, just under um, 16 minutes left to play in the first half. So very, very early there. All right. Frank Schwab in hour number two. Ross Jackson will join us as well. Um, went to the NFL Combine. Some thoughts on who would be a good fit for the Saints? Dennis Allen, a defensive-minded coach, but, man, they need some offensive help. So uh, let's wait and see what happens there. Hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, again, we are in the EFCO Construction Studios. We are... On the radio, we are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We're simulcast in the Acadiana area with uh, on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on 
L-U-S Fiber. So, so tournament time is upon us. Can the Tigers get it done again and keep their season alive? They can only one way. They got to beat Vanderbilt tonight. We'll have it right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show. We'll be back. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, March 9th, the year 2023. A lot of football talk in this hour. Frank Schwab will join us from Yahoo Sports on his thoughts in the NFL. And then Ross Jackson as we get points specific uh, with the New Orleans Saints. Now that they've got their quarterback, where do they go in the draft? And since he was at the NFL Combine... Who struck his uh, fancy? Who would fit with the Saints? Um, and and do they go offensive, defensive, both? What do they do? What do they do? LSU opened up spring practice today. The UL Raging Cajuns of Michael Desimo opened up yesterday. And um, uh, they, they don't have many quarterbacks out there um, since – uh, ben Woolridge is officially out for the entire spring. So they've got some a few nagging injuries. Um, defensive end Jordan Lawson, running back Kendrell Williams, and I mentioned Woolridge, officially out for the entire spring. Um, other than those three, Coach Dez declared the club was pretty healthy for the start of spring. Uh since Woolridge is out for the spring, Chandler Field will miss the first week because of a non-football procedure he had to have done. They'll get him back for next week. So in the meantime, it, Coach Dez um, is, is throwing the ball around. How about that? And he's got some other former quarterbacks out there. Um, so like new wide receiver coach Lance Legendre. He's out there throwing the football. You got to do what you got to do until you can uh, get get some things done. Um, the other positive thing is that redshirt freshman Zeon Chris starts the spring by getting a lot of reps, and um, he's going to be a okay. Uh, running back Chris Smith, cornerback Eric Garrard no longer on the team. So those are some big roles as a running back, as a kick returner, punt returner. Um, they were both dynamic. So you got to replace those guys. Um, apparently, Jacob Bernard, the wide receiver, leads the group of potential replacements for Garrard at punt returner. Um Who's going to be the kick returner? Legendre might be the guy or Zylan Perry, another name to watch. So we'll see. Um, the very beginning, this is when you learn. This is this is you find out who you believe uh, can do the job and who can't do the job. So um, there you go on that one. On the LSU front, um, not much to not much to say other than uh, the fact that um, the running back room right now is a little bit uh, limited. 
for a variety of reasons. John Emery uh, is absent. They want him to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that's his schoolwork. He's, uh, he's got some, uh, some work to be done to remain eligible. Uh, and that's, I hate hearing that because that seems to have been the case in, uh, in days gone by. So the fifth-year senior has to meet certain requirements before he can practice. According to Brian Kelly, John is focused strictly right now on his academics. He's got some marks that he has to hit from an academic standpoint before we even talk about football with him. That was the deal with John and talking to his family. If his primary focus was academics and taking care of his degree, then we would have a conversation about football. So, Without Emory, Josh Williams is recovering from an injury suffered last season. Junior Armani Goodwin won't practice until preseason camp because of a knee injury. Uh, Williams is the closest in terms of being able to come back uh, and participate in spring drills. So until then, LSU will practice with senior Noah Kane, uh, the transfer from Penn State, and Trey Holly, the freshman, as the only scholarship running backs. Um with redshirt senior Charles Turner recovering from a knee injury and redshirt freshman Fitzgerald West moved to defensive tackle, LSU has seven scholarship offensive linemen. Uh, there are no concerns about the first group, but they don't have many options behind the starters. Brian Kelly said we have to shore that group up. Um, assessing that offensive line depth has got to be one of Kelly's main goals before four freshmen and Maryland transfer Mason Lunsford arrive this summer uh, with so little depth redshirt freshman Bo Bordelon redshirt sophomore Kimo Macanoli will get a lot of reps Bordelon has been practicing at center for the first time so um, wait and see on that one uh, Mason Smith ran on an opposite field with his helmet on during drills he's going to be held out of uh, contact um, throughout spring ball you don't need him to deal with that at all alabama transfer aaron anderson won't participate this spring after having a procedure done that cleaned up his knee uh anderson will compete at wide receiver and returner so um a lot of things to be cleaned up a lot of things to work on but um spring training that's what that is all about. All right. I want to get to Frank Schwab here in just a minute. So let's take our first time out. Frank Schwab will talk NFL next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, needs your help. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and turn that bell on so you can get notifications when we post our new content and game recaps. Help us get to 1,000 followers, and then we'll add from there at The Game Louisiana. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Our next guest specializes in trying to figure out the ins and the outs and where everybody's going in the NFL as uh, the new league year is about to kick in. And, of course, I'm talking about the Schwab. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Jordy, what's going on? Um, well, it's, it, it appears that the Jets are all in. Owner, GM, coach, offensive coordinator all met with Aaron Rodgers, which which tells me, right, the Packers had to give permission for that. So where does your gut tell you this is going to all end up now? I, and I think, you know, the, it's funny that kind of the underreported part of this, the the one that's not getting enough attention is just exactly what you said. The Packers gave permission for this. The Packers basically by doing that said, we're done. We're, we're out. Yeah. Like, you don't, you, <laughs> I mean, I guess anything could happen. And this Aaron Rodgers stuff, I've kind of grown tired of trying to predict it because there's sure. all these twists and turns and he changes his mind and whatnot. But if, if you're an NFL team and you say, yeah, you can go search around for a trade, you don't plan on that player coming back, period. Like, you're done. Like, you, I, I, I guess, again, things can happen. A long shot could hit here, and Rodgers is just like, no, nah, I want to come back. And the Packers are like, sure, that's great. But the moment the Packers said, sure, go talk to the Jets, that was a, the message to the world that uh, our relationship with Aaron Rodgers is done and he's going to be moving on. Now, I, and again, I, I keep saying anything can happen because I don't want to, you know, <laughs> if, if, if he returns – Two hours from now, who would be surprised, right? Like this, this whole drama has, has been weird for years now. But yeah, and if you're the Jets, I mean, you got to feel like, you know, I mean, it's 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 your time to shine. Who else would he go to? This is perfectly set up for uh, Jets Packers trade. You figure out the contract stuff, whatever. But yeah, as I sit here, I think that it's almost a done deal. Like I mean, if you. It would be weird if Aaron Rodgers went anywhere else after the Packers gave him permission to talk to the Jets. The Jets right. talked to him, and what? Like he's suddenly going to get traded to the Buccaneers or something? Like I just, it has to end up with him being with the Jets, right? I, I agree, and I would give it. I would say it's a higher likelihood he would retire rather than go back and play with the Green Bay Packers. That's so. I, I would right, put yeah. Jets at the top of the list, retirement second, Packers third. That's just my gut feeling. And I, I might even, I, I might even, I, I agree with your top two. And number three might just be opening it up to every other team, and then number four is the Packers. I mean, okay. again, it's it, it was just blaring alarms. I'm surprised more people didn't really talk about it. That Again, the Packers, at some point, somewhere along the line, said, go ahead and look for a trade, Aaron. I, that's, that's pretty much saying <laughs> we're, we're done here. So, I, I mean, you know, maybe I'm overplaying that, but, yeah, I agree. I agree with your top two. I think at this point, then, once the Packers are kind of out, then, you know, Aaron Rodgers' retirement's probably higher on the list than, than anything other than the Jets. I'm with you. Um, how big of a loss would this be for the Jets if Rodgers leaves the Packers and then he ends up going to a plate, may, maybe Vegas or maybe Tampa Bay or maybe Miami? I mean, they they've they got their fans all excited now. Uh, you know, I mean, as you guys know, I'm I'm based in Denver. I've seen this happen before where <laughs> the two straight off seasons, the Denver Broncos were basically all in on Aaron Rodgers and did everything, every move they made for two seasons was pointing toward, we think we're getting Aaron Rodgers. And they made, you know, pretty big mistakes along the way, obviously. 
and didn't even get Aaron Rodgers because he kind of pulled the rug out from underneath them. So, yeah, I mean, I I think the Jets thing is going to happen just based on everything we know. But if it doesn't, there's I don't wow. think there's a plan B here. I, they, they struck out on Derek Carr. I'm sure we're going to talk about him. Yeah. Uh, they the, Who else is left? You can't go from, oh, my goodness, we're going to land a four-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers to, hey, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, he can take us to the Super Bowl. Like, that's just, I don't think that's really, like you said, the fan base has got to be amped up for the possibility of yeah. that defense, that group of offensive skill position guys playing with Aaron Rodgers where Aaron doesn't have to be the whole show there. I mean, he could just be good. Like, a good solid quarterback is going to be a huge upgrade for them. You just can't go from that to whatever plan B is. And I'm not really sure they have a plan B at this point. I, I like, use the term, and I agree with it. They're all in. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. And if Aaron Rodgers does the Aaron Rodgers thing and retires or says no to the Jets or comes back to the Packers, whatever he's going to do on a whim, it could really leave the Jets in a bad spot, just like the 2021-2022 Broncos. Did Derek Carr and his people contact the Jets and the Jets said, look, um, we like you, but we're all in on um, on Aaron Rodgers and we're waiting on him and we're going to take him if he wants to come. So obviously you're not our first choices. I mean, this thing went from Derek Carr going to the combine, talking to all these people apparently to all of a sudden, I'm with the Saints, done. What What happened there? Correct. I think it's exactly what you said. I, I think that you can't look at it any other way than, hey, yeah, we like you. I mean, you you will be our choice if Aaron says no. And somewhere along the line, Dark Carr probably felt a little jolted by that. I didn't want to wait. Probably, maybe he read the tea leaves and said, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come here. Whatever yeah. it was, I think that that's what happened. I perfectly I think that's a reasonable thing. It's not a conspiracy there. You, know, you just read, I don't know, read the tea leaves here and know that I think if Derek Carr could have gone to the Jets, he would have. I mean, if, if money was right and all that, I mean, the Jets are, are kind of cap straps. I'm not sure how they're pulling this all off. But anyway, it, I think he would have gone there because it's it's the best situation right now. No offense to the Saints, but the Jets are perfectly set up for being quarterback away from winning big, right. I think. Right. And so I, I just don't know if Derek Carr wanted to be somebody's second option, right? Like, I mean, it's, that's human nature, too. I mean, you don't really want me. You want Aaron Rodgers, well, that's fine, but I, I don't want to be your second choice, and the Saints do want me pretty bad, so I'm going to take your $150 million, and, you know, good luck with with whatever you got going on, Jets. So, yeah, I, I do think that that's what happened, because, I mean, just the timing of it, I mean, Derek Carr was allowed to kind of negotiate with everybody before ever, anybody else because the Raiders cut him, so he's, you know, he doesn't have to wait till Wednesday to sign, as everybody right. knows. So it kind of you had this awkward, you know, gap between hey Derek's sitting here ready to sign, and the Jets are probably like, oh, we're, we, we want to see this Aaron Rodgers thing through before we do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that's I think fortunate for the Saints. I mean, yes, Tampa Bay still doesn't have anybody. Carolina doesn't have anybody, and Atlanta's going with a with a second year guy, maybe, or they they do something different. I mean. What do you see with the Saints and Derek Carr? The defense is still pretty good, Frank. I mean, if they're healthy, they're good. Yeah, yeah I agree. I mean, w- you know, we'll see what else the Saints have uh, kind of cooked up. For like, I mean, however many years we've been talking, every time about this time of year, we have okay. a conversation of how did the Saints pull this off with the cap? <laughs> it's just crazy yep. to me how they could just do these gymnastics with the salary cap. So I can't even rule out them adding somebody that they might need. Uh, we'll see where, like, the Michael Tom. I, I think Michael Thomas is gone, but the Alvin Kamara thing, we'll see where that goes. But as of right mm-hmm. now, 
unless Carolina is kind of the one team that I look at and say that they're they're kind of a quarterback away from being a good team, or if Atlanta finally pulls its head out of its behind and, and goes against Lamar Jackson, <laughs> then okay, then the, the Falcons might be a, a factor there. Yeah. But until that happens, yeah, I think the Saints are the best team in the division. Why wouldn't they be? I, there's a right. lot to like there. Quarterback play was holding them back. They have a perfectly reasonable quarterback now. And, yeah, I, I think they're clearly the best team in the NFC South at the moment. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports with us. Is it more of a shock that uh, Aaron Rodgers would leave Green Bay and go to the Jets or that Lamar Jackson might leave the Baltimore Ravens and go somewhere else? What's the latest on yeah. that? I'm. This whole situation has been very confusing to me because, I mean, as everybody's kind of talked about, written about, read about, whatever, the last few days, it doesn't make any sense for a team not to sign Lamar Jackson. Again, let's go to the Falcons because I think they're the most obvious team, right? They have no quarterback to speak of right now. Nothing against Desmond Ritter, but I don't think he's the answer. They have, last I checked, $57 million in cap space. They could legitimately give Lamar Jackson a deal where he has a $50 million cap hit this year and still be under the cap. Like I, The cap is not an issue for them. Right. The first-round picks are not a big deal for them because whatever. I mean, we see quarterbacks. You know, a trade-up for quarterback in the draft is going to cost you more than two firsts. Right? Look what right. Russell Wilson went for right. just a year ago, and he's 34 years old. We're talking about a 26-year-old former MVP and everybody is just kind of like, no, we're going to pass. I don't get Why what's going that? on here. I I understand that the NFL has pretty tight ranks, and they don't want to give out these guaranteed deals. They're probably mad with the Browns for giving a fully guaranteed deal to Deshaun Watson. Sure. But if I'm the if I'm the Atlanta Falcons, I'm saying screw you guys. I don't care. We got a chance to add a superstar quarterback right now. We are going to do that. Sorry, sorry guys, but this is going to be a fully guaranteed deal. Now we don't know exactly what Lamar's asking for. I mean, he could be asking for a number that all of us, when we finally hear it, go whoa. Now I understand why Washington doesn't want any piece of this, or Carolina, or Atlanta, or anybody else. But Vegas, everybody, nobody's in. Who's in? Like everybody has said, kind of quietly to reporters that they're out, but nobody has said they're in. And I just don't get it. I, I think, look, I understand the risks with Lamar Jackson. He, he has dealt with injuries. He is going to have a shorter shelf life than everybody. He is asking for a monster, monster deal. You are going to have to give up two first to get him. But at the end of the day, if I'm a team that's totally dead at quarterback, like Washington, again, the Falcons, ooh, <laughs> What excitement is there over the Atlanta Falcons right at this moment? Nothing. You could energize your fan base. You could add, again, an absolute superstar at the position. I I don't know what's going on. This one just absolutely confuses me because guys like Lamar Jackson simply don't hit free agency that often. Do you think Baltimore is going to let him go? I mean, they're going to not match something? And that's the thing. Well, I think that that that's the thing, Jordy. I think that a team like Atlanta could structure a contract where Baltimore could not match. Again, the cap room they have, the Bears have the most. They have like... $85 $85 million. I just wrote about it today. I can't remember the exact figure. Bears have like $85 million. Falcons are second at $57 million. Nobody else is really even close. So the Falcons could structure a deal where the Ravens simply couldn't match it because they don't have the cap space for it. <laughs> they could, so I think, if, look, if Lamar signs a reasonable deal, like let's say Kyler Murray, let's say all Lamar Jackson get on the open market is Kyler Murray's deal, exact same deal. And, uh, yeah, I think at that point Baltimore would match. Because they're like, okay, that's fine. We, you you went out on the open market, got the best deal you could. It was it was Kyler Murray's contract. We think that that's fair. We're going to match. But if a team like the Falcons just wants to 
structure it in a way that the Baltimore Ravens can't match. They can do that. And so I think that if a team really, truly wants Lamar Jackson, it's going to be over. They can they can structure it in a way Baltimore can't match. But it's going to be very interesting. This just doesn't happen very often. I, I don't know of another case where... Uh, an MVP quarterback in his obviously in his prime, he's only twenty six, yeah. yeah. is pretty much a free agent. I, I get there's you know match you know you can match and, and first round pick compensation and all that, but he's basically a free agent. We just don't see that happen almost almost ever. I, I don't know if there's ever been another case of that in NFL history. You just mentioned the Chicago Bears have all this cap space. What about a will trade? Our quarterback for your quarterback, and we'll work something out. Would the Bears even entertain? Would they want Lamar Jackson more than Justin Fields? Wow, that's interesting. I mean, he's better for sure. I think the Bears have to see this Justin Fields thing through, though. I think that Justin Fields is a heck of a player. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's had enough help. I Everybody talks about how bad he's been as a, as a passer, and it's not un, unfair, but give that guy some weapons and an offensive line and let's see what happens. Give him another year like we gave Tua, like we gave mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. I think... Hey, sky's the limit for Justin Fields, and as crazy as it is, we're not just talking apples to apples because you got to factor in the contract and giving up two first-round picks and whatever. I, I'd, I'd, hold, I'd rather have Justin Fields than Lamar Jackson, given all of the all you know the various costs to go along with it. Please, please tell me that people are just do saying these things just to get clicks or whatever. But did I read somewhere that there's a slight, there's a chance that Tom Brady would come out of retirement again <laughs> and go to Miami? <laughs> I think that that was just, I can't remember who put that out there, but I'm not buying that at all, at all. Zero okay. percent. I, 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 I would have to see a lot more before I'm buying in. I think Tom Brady sounded very comfortable when he left the game that that he's, he's really retired. And I, I just think Brady's smart enough to realize you can't do this twice. Once was, eh, this is, all right, Tom, you're, you're retired for 40 days, and we wrote all these nice things about you, and then you come back. If he does that a second time, it's just it's going to make people angry. And I think Tom's smart enough to realize that. And I think he went into this decision this time saying, this is just it. I, I'm not even going to entertain the notion. I don't really know where all this stuff is coming from, but I don't buy it. I'm with you. Uh, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. If Jimmy Garoppolo goes to the Carolina Panthers, are the Saints still the team to beat in that division, or does Carolina move up to the top? I think it's very close. I, I like the Panthers a lot. I, I like their makeup. It, it depends what you think of Jimmy and if he can kind of succeed outside of the Shanahan offense, which obviously helped him a ton. Yeah. I, I also, I'm just, I just think the Raiders end up with Jimmy G, but if if he does go to the Panthers, if that's their option, I think it's a, it's a two horse race then at least. Like right now, I don't think there's there's really much of a worry for the Saints. I think they're the best team in that division, as I said. But yeah, if the Panthers had Jimmy G or any other reasonable veteran quarterback somehow, I think that the the conversation changes to okay now now we have a two team race in that division. Okay, we shall see. <laughs> I, I mean. Okay, let let Aaron Rodgers, the decision. Does that happen in the next couple of days, in the next week? Does he draw this thing out? What do you what do you anticipate? I don't know. I mean, if I mean thinking about it logically, if if I'm the Jets or if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking at it like I want to give my new team the best chance to succeed. And for that to happen, he has to make a decision earlier rather than later. I mean, it, right. it's they can't wait forever. It's not going to be April when he's still deciding. I hope. I, I don't think so. I, I hope this wouldn't drag out that long. You kind of got to get on with it. Like, if you're the Jets, you got to know, hey, what are we doing? Are we building around you or are we 
building without you. And so I do think it happens fast. I, I think it would. I think it happens by by next Wednesday when free agency starts. I guess it all depends. Does the guy really love football, and does he really want to go and do all the things that are necessary? To succeed, I mean, go to those things where there are no cameras, right. those OTAs and all that stuff. And that that seems to be the big question mark. And he hasn't answered that yet. Yeah. And I mean, I think those questions are fair, although they get brought up a lot when whenever anybody has any interest outside of football. And sometimes not fair. But I think, yeah, you got to wonder what, you know. Is Aaron Rodgers all in? Is is this going to be something where he's really committed to, you know, like a Tom Brady was in Tampa? I mean, he, Tom Brady, even in the COVID year, was clearly committed to, hey, I'm going to win a Super Bowl here. Yeah. Does Aaron Rodgers have that in him? We just don't know yet. I don't know that we could say definitively yes, but we might be able to find out pretty soon here. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Schwab, he has his ear to the ground, and he's always on top of things. But uh, always fun talking with him, man. I really appreciate you carving out some time for us yet again. So thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, who's going to win the NCAA basketball tournament? Who's your number one? Ooh, I wish I knew. I I had UCLA there for a, for a while, but like boy, them. they lost their one of their main players, Jalen Clark. I, I don't know. I, I need to see this bracket on Sunday, Jordy. I'm I'm yeah. as confused as everybody. I, I'll tell you one team. I nobody's gonna like hearing it. And everybody's roll their eyes. Keep an eye out for Duke. They are playing really, really well lately, and they're gonna be like a six mm. seed or something like that. Mm. They're they're really turning a corner. I think Duke I'm might good. make some noise as long in the wide as, open as long as Kansas doesn't win it again, I'm good. Anybody <laughs> else but Kansas, I'm tired of them. I hear you. <laughs> Frank Schwab, Yahoo will, Sports. I, I, I tell you what, Jordy, it will not be Wisconsin or LSU. I can get, I can go in on a limb and tell you it's going to yeah. be neither of our schools. You're 1,000% spot on on both of those, big guy. <laughs> Golly sakes alive. That's another story for another day. Thank you, man. Have a great week. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Right, you're the best. That's Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. We'll take a timeout. We'll get point-specific with the New Orleans Saints when Ross Jackson joins us next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana by Ducks. Get that uh, dryer vent cleaned out because Ducks is cleaning America's air from the inside out by Eon of Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. The touchless robotic laser body contouring device that's the premier in its field helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. By the Louisiana Lottery, you got to play if you want to win by DC's little capital Exxon, everything under the sun in their store, including tucked away in the corner, that true soul food deli, best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun chef, so many products, but man, if you want to turn up the taste, do it with Cajun chef's hot sauce. The Jordy Holberg show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Well, we continue our NFL theme here in this hour as we welcome in. He's become a superstar uh, when it comes to dealing with the Saints and the NFL. He's part of the Locked On Network, host of Locked On Saints. He's a Saints football analyst, uh, jack of all trades, and a master of them all, Mr. Ross Jackson, joining us. You can follow him at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. Ross, good afternoon, sir. I really do appreciate the time, buddy. How have you been? Hey, buddy. No, always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you. All right. So since last we talked, the Saints got a quarterback in Derek Carr. There's a lot of people out there, crazy people, I think, that are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, the Saints jumped the gun too much because there's Lamar Jackson out there. We, maybe the Saints could get Lamar Jackson. What do you say to that? Yeah, I don't think that that's realistic. I mean, in the 30 years of free agency, there's only been one in one single player that has been given the non-exclusive franchise tag. It didn't end up back with their original team. And so for the Saints, it would not have been wise for them to spend you know, all of this time and resources towards building a contract for Lamar Jackson, submitting that offer sheet, having to wait an additional five days for the Baltimore Ravens, to very likely ultimately just choose to match the offer anyway and then walk away with no quarterback and no Lamar Jackson and possibly not being able to turn back to Derek Carr. Because the thing that made the New Orleans Saints stick out to Derek Carr in their free agency sort of pursuit of him is that that, that's who they wanted. And, you know, David Carr, his brother, said on his son's podcast that he, you know, one of the things that, that Derek really cared much about especially after being released by a team, the Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders, that right. didn't want him, was that he wanted to go somewhere where he was wanted. The Jets didn't offer that because they want Aaron Rodgers. Everyone right. knows that. Carolina Panthers didn't necessarily offer that. They've got a top 10 pick and could go after a quarterback. New Orleans Saints wanted Derek Carr. So that, right. amongst all of the other things, uh, I don't think anyone missed out on Lamar Jackson because I'm still very much of the belief about 99% that Lamar Jackson, barring something completely unforeseen and wildly unprecedented, will be a Baltimore Raven in 2023. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, Tampa Bay won the NFC South a year ago, 8-9. and nine. Tom Brady retired. Carolina, 7-10. and 10. Don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Atlanta, 7-10. and 10. Looks like they're going with Desmond Ritter, unless something, uh, something bizarre happens there. And now the New Orleans Saints at 7-10. and 10. They're the only team that makes a change, and they get Derek Carr. They're the front runner now in the South, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because even though they're the only ones to to make a change and welcome a new quarterback into the facility to be their starter, all four quarterbacks are going to have different starting quarterbacks in 2023 than they did in 2022. Yeah. It'll be the first time since I believe the 80s that a, a division wow. in its entirety, remember divisions were, were bigger back then, six teams, yeah. all of that, but even still... Uh, since the expansion, even this is the first time that we've seen a division with all new starting quarterbacks. And hey, also big changes to each of their coaching staffs as well. They yeah. change at defensive coordinator. Uh, Carolina had a change at head coach and coordinators. Um, uh, Atlanta made a change at defensive coordinator, and Tampa made a change at offensive coordinator. And so, you know, this this division is going to be one that should be very winnable for the New Orleans Saints. And you have to consider them a favorite here in the South. I think that it helps a ton if they're able to continue to get the the the, the next right moves done over the course right. of this offseason, um, you know, helping themselves out at, at running back in a few other positions, interior defensive line, all of that. 
but, you know, this puts them in a good place where they have a clear vision. They have something to sell players in free agents because they're the team in the South that has a quarterback. Uh, right. And, you know, that puts them up there in terms of the NFC conference conversation as well. How much change do you think this lineup will have uh, via free agency? In other words, um, how many players you think might be elsewhere and and how many new players do you think will be around? Because when you're 7-10, and 10, if you're not changing, you're going to stay the same. They made a change at quarterback. That's one, but there's more changes coming. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll see new faces in the running back room. I think that happens by default because the Saints only have two running backs on their roster right now. You know, mm-hmm. Benjamin and Alvin Kamara and Alvin Kamara could be in to miss at least six games in 2023, right. if not more, depending upon how his ongoing legal process continues. I think, you know, you're watching the wide receiver position. There's a chance here that the Saints use Derek Carr and their addition of Derek Carr to go to Michael Thomas and say, we want you to come back, but we need you on an incentive-laden deal. There's a quarterback here who can help you get your money. Uh, Michael Thomas was a part of the courting of Derek Carr. He spoke, according to David Carr, his brother spoke to Derek to tell him, yeah, you're coming to New Orleans. Uh, he celebrated the signing of, of, of Derek Carr, so there seems to be some, some headway yeah. there. Uh, but I still think you'll see some potential new faces at wide receiver towards the lower portions of the depth chart behind Chris Olave and Rashid Shaheed. You're looking okay. for some changes on the offensive line in terms of depth. We'll see what happens with Andrews Pete over the course of this offseason. And defense is probably where you're going to see the most changes because they currently have no defensive tackles under contract and only four defensive ends under contract. And so I think the defensive line gets a big kind of rebuild here over the course of, of the offseason. And in the second level, as well as the uh, safety positions, you're looking to build out depth. So I think there's going to be a lot of new faces in New Orleans. And I think there's a good chance that some of the, the faces that are you know hitting free agency this offseason uh, will potentially you know end up elsewhere, especially with mm-hmm. Ryan Nielsen right across the division, former Saints co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, now the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator. He should be able mm-hmm. to court some of those guys over to his defense as well. All right. All right. Uh, Ross Jackson with us. Um, the combine has come and gone. Um some some fits of what, what what was seen there and what the Saints need. Give me some names of players you think that would um, – they got to help Derek Carr. They got to get him some more help yeah. there. I know you mentioned running back. I still think wide receivers there. I still think a tight end is in, is in need personally. Mm-hmm. You tell me – give me some names of some people you think that would be a really good fit for this squad. Yeah, there's three in particular at two of the positions that you mentioned. Um, I'll do the two running backs first because you're looking for somebody that's going to be able to operate in place of Alvin Kamara should he miss time in 2023 uh, in tandem with Alvin Kamara for when he is available and potentially beyond Alvin Kamara in just a couple of years. We know how the clock ticks on running backs in the NFL, right? So I look at guys that can have a similar skill set to what uh, Josh Jacobs, the Las Vegas Raiders running back, uh, had Derek Carr obviously did a lot of great work with Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. And so I look at guys like Bijan Robinson out of Texas who can be a one cut between the tackles runner, but he can also capture the edge, catch the ball and be a pass protector. A little bit of that all around flavor, just like Josh Jacobs had. So I think he would be a fantastic fit in New Orleans with Derek Carr. If they don't want to, you know, invest a first round pick on him, then they might lose out on him because he could be a first round guy. But there's a later round guy like Tajay Spears, who of course is local here to New yeah. Orleans, played at Tulane really good. right over here in Uptown. Uh, really yeah. good, right? Same same type of skill set. Can be a one cut back, can capture the edge, can catch out of the backfield, is a willing pass blocker. 
all of those things. And, you know, led the, uh, the, the group of five in yards after contact, was in the right. top five across the country in yards after contract. So he might be a little bit smaller than a Josh Jacobs. I think he came in at around 205, while Josh Jacobs is around 220. Um, uh, uh, Bijan Robinson's around 218, 220, but doesn't seem, you know, nobody's told, nobody's told Tajay that he's small because he's running That's through right. all these tackles and everything like that. So he brings a skill set similar to what Derek Carr is comfortable with. And then you also look at tight end, as you mentioned, you know, Derek Carr had a fantastic tight end in Las Vegas when he was healthy in, um, in Darren Waller. I think there's a chance the other tight end in Las Vegas could potentially come back home to New Orleans. Foster Moreau, brother Martin kid, or excuse me, uh, Jesuit high school kid right. played LSU. It with the LSU Tigers as well. Yeah. But I wouldn't rule out the New Orleans Saints investing in a big pass catching tight end in the second round. And the guy that stands out to me is six foot seven, 264 pound Darnell Washington out of Georgia, who could be a big time pass catcher for you and has a big frame to be an all around guy. Hmm. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah, running back is uh, is critical. I don't think there's any question mm-hmm. about that. Um, Dennis Allen, a defensive-minded coach, um, do they shore up that defensive line via the draft? Do they do it via free agency? Do they do a combination? And how many do they need? Yeah, I, I think it's got to be a combination, and I think it all starts with David Onyemata. Um, his contract is set to expire on Wednesday as free agency opens up in earnest. Uh, so that means that he doesn't, you know, teams won't be able to get a head start on him as the, uh, you know, when the uh, negotiating period opens up on the 13th. But the Saints, you know, would love to bring him back, I'm sure, and have him still be a part of their defense. So that's where it all starts. But outside of that, I do think that it is a combination of looking at the yeah, free agency class as well as the draft class. You look at guys like Ashawn Robinson from the Los Angeles uh, Rams, uh, Jerron Reed from the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Larry Ogunjobi from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is a really talented defensive tackle free agency class. Some combination of those players. No one of them solves all your problem, but some combination okay. of those players. And then looking to the draft, there's some really talented defensive tackles there too. You can go with the pass rushers, the disruptive guys like Pittsburgh's Kalaja Kansi, who absolutely lit up the combine. He's small, very compact, kind of Leroy Gloverish in that case, but is okay. extremely disruptive as a pass rusher. Mozzie Smith, bigger guy, but you know, really good run stuffer, but also really disruptive as a pass rusher. He'll, he should be a first or early second rounder in this year's draft uh, coming out of Michigan. Or you look at some of the run-stuffing guys like Siaki Ika out of uh, Baylor or Keanu mm-hmm. uh, Benton out of Wisconsin. They have a ton of opportunity okay. to shore that up. In terms of number for you, I would say probably four defensive tackles wow. that they can rotate, plus some guys over on the, um, on the uh, practice squad to help fill in when needed as well. Ross Jackson locked on Saints. We got a starting quarterback, but – Got to get a backup quarterback. Let's say a Hendon hooker from Tennessee is hanging around. The third round comes up. Nobody's picked him. Do you, do you draft him? And under the, under the pre, look, you're going to sit a while. Um, We're going to get you fully healthy. We're going to sit a while. Or do you go back to um, Andy Dalton? Say, Andy, you, you know, you started as a backup force. We need you just in case. What do you do there? Who's the backup? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's a little bit of, uh, both that is, that is possible, right? The Saints tend to carry three quarterbacks. It did so last year, even with Jake Lutton, as well as Andy Dalton and, and uh, Jameis Winston. And mm-hmm. I think you could see something pretty similar here to where the Saints could go to, you know, uh, Andy Dalton and bring him back, 
Um, he loves being here in, in New Orleans. It's close to, you know, where he you know, has spent a lot of time in terms of Fort Worth, right. Texas. And then you look at the potential of drafting a guy like Hendon Hooker. If the value is there in the third round and he's around, I think that's a can't-miss guy in terms of what he can turn into and develop. The thing that you have to look at is does the fact that he would be 28 by the time that you have an out in Derek Carr's contract built in post-2025 make you say, well, we might as well just wait until 2024 to invest at the position or go with a guy later on in the draft that you expect to sort of develop into maybe, you know, a, a solid backup in the NFL, maybe a clipboard kind of guy. Because Hinton Hooker, you. you draft him in the hopes that you can produce the upside of being able to get him out on the field at some point in his career and have him be your, your starting quarterback. He's that kind of talent. Whereas there's sort of the Aiden O'Connells of Purdue, the Clayton Toons, the you know, Max mm-hmm. Duggins of TCU that could come in and be, you know, those kind of perennial backup guys. And then if they turn into upside starters later on down the line, then great, but you don't expect that with third round later. And so um, I think in the hookers, maybe the exception to that, but I could see the saints going right back to Andy Dalton to bring him in, go ahead and shore that up. So you have your QB two in free agency. And then if the right guy is there, which at whatever position you're on the clock, that a quarterback makes sense for your franchise, I think you could still say that you're not going to preclude, that that's not going to preclude you from taking that quarterback in the draft. That's why he's so good. Uh, so stinking good. One last one in 10 seconds. What position do the Saints draft at number 29 in the first round? I think defensive tackle. Uh, this is a okay. team that cares very much about winning in the trenches in the last 15, 16 drafts. They've only drafted defensive tackle twice, uh, and both of those guys worked out, including Sheldon Rankins, who I know ended up elsewhere, but was still a good impact player for New Orleans. It's a safe position to draft at that spot in the bottom of the first round, but I wouldn't pass up. If if it's the New Orleans Saints and they really want to shore up their running back spot, I, I wouldn't rule out Bijan Robinson okay. as much as I don't like quarter uh, running backs in the first round. doesn't mean that the NFL doesn't. He's must-read material. Follow him on Twitter. At Ross Jackson Nola, the Locked On Network with Locked On Saints, a rising superstar in our presence. Ross, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Take care, stay safe, and I'll talk to you here soon. You got it. We'll take our final timeout with some uh, special birthday wishes next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has given you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com. Score a $50 Visa gift card, boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, two giant sacks of live crawfish, plus a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and of course, the game. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Well, that was a fun Thursday show. Our thanks to Matthew Bruni, LSU Spring Football Report, Christian Clark. Pels get a big win over the Mavericks last night. Frank Schwab on the Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson scenario, and Ross Jackson with um, running back. Defensive linemen, wide receivers, the Saints are in need, and we'll see what they do via free agency and the draft. If today, March 9th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, at one time, number 44 for the Oklahoma Sooners with that haircut, the Boz. Brian Bosworth is 58 years young and one of those prolific scores. He was not a Pistol Pete. But he was really, really good. Mahmoud Abdul Rauf back at LSU. His name was Chris Jackson. He is 54 years old today. Happy birthday, young fella. What a player you uh, were and probably can still shoot the lights out. He's just got that in him. Uh, tomorrow, a fun-filled Friday. The regular crew shuffles in. Larry Holder of The Athletic, George Faust from KLFY, James Mesh, and George Becknell and I will make some picks. Maybe LSU's staying alive tonight against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Come on, Matt McMahon. Come on, KJ Williams. Keep it going. Let's get a W and shock the world. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We shall see. We'll recap it all tomorrow. So until then, thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh next. So long, everybody.